0: Hello. So uh, we are Mad about Growth, which is an invite-only digital community for sales, marketing, and strategy professionals, which helps anyone who are looking to pursue their careers or hone their skills in sales, marketing, and strategy. Skills are hosted through different learning methods in theory and practice. As so a part theory, we have Growth Engine Handbook written by Moses Sam Paul, which elaborates on topics of Lean Canvas, Personals. Bias journeys, content strategy, curation, distribution, engagement, and analytics. Also as a part of industry learning, we have the podcast series where we invite professionals to share their experience and insights. We have weekly themes for the podcast series. In the first week, we had Mr. Chaitanya, who is the head of growth talks who spoke regarding moment marketing. We had Mr. Ravi Kikan last week, who is the head of growth at and author of Bounce Back, spoke about sales. The theme for this week is about strategies to survive and thrive in this current situation where a lot of businesses are struggling to stay afloat. So, we have Mr. Srinivas from Minton Consulting, who has taken time off from his schedule to be a part of this podcast. He holds an MBA in Operations Strategy from XLRI Jamshedpur. He has worked at Mercedes-Benz R&D, General Motors, and tcs before moving into strategy management he held senior strategy management position in infrastructure takshashila consulting and reliance geo driving continuous improvement with multiple high performance teams he started his own venture Minton consulting which helps clients implement projects to improve productivity sales and to reduce operational costs mm. his expertise lies in growth strategy market development process improvement cost reduction, product or service pricing, service management, ability to design end-to-end go-to marketing strategies, and plan supply chain of products and services made the same at the level. To summarize, he's a management consultant with 12-plus years of experience working in the textile, telecom, manufacturing, infrastructure, automotive, healthcare, oil, and gas industry. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Shrinivas.
1: Hey, hi. Thank you for inviting me and then uh, great to know about Mad About Growth and then the great work you're doing and then it's quite inspirational. I've seen your uh, previous podcast and then they are very informative. Keep up with oh, the good work.
2: Lovely. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Srinath. Okay, so let's try to understand, you know, being an Indian, it's it's kind of uh, implied that you become an engineer and then you join PCS, <laughs> right? Which <laughs> is kind of the path that it took. And then, it, uh, then getting into XLR, right? And uh, can you talk us about that, like why XLRA and specifically, though XLRA is more focused on HR related things, why did you get into process and strategy over there?
1: Okay. So uh, that's the biggest misconception. Maybe XLRA has actually started as a HR college, but uh, now it's uh, a normal MBA course, like HR is also a specialization, which it is... uh, uh, very well known for, but then they also have a business management and their general management program which is right. about a normal uh, MBA. Yeah. Right? So that said, uh, yes, you're right. Uh, XLR is one of the top places for hiring the HR talent. Uh, across the country. Great. So now uh, like coming to strategy and business, like uh, I always had this interest uh, about business and then uh, way back in 2002, 2003, I was like reading every Business Today magazine that was there, right from when it was eight rupees per magazine, and then now it's more than 150 rupees per magazine. So from then I have been a voracious reader of Business Today. Like I used to love how uh, companies uh, make their strategies, uh, have faced some difficult times and then have come out of it. A few great leaders who have helped all these organizations come out of it. So, that has actually given me some kind of a greater picture, and then wanted, uh, like, I wanted to become someone who could see the broader picture and then be able to help organizations uh, at a level uh, much beyond transactional level. Right. Okay. That is where the roots of uh, process improvement, productivity, uh, organizational strategy, and then growth strategy, all of this has come into picture. Right. So that kind of became a stepping stone for me to do an MBA, then join management consulting, and then things happened one after the other.
2: Lovely. So, uh, so let's talk about after Excel, right? Um, mm-hmm. Especially you know the consulting uh, stints that you had, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Excela, can you talk a little bit about that and how it eventually ended in starting your own thing and why the name minted?
1: <laughs> Fine. that's actually funny. I will come to it uh, okay. sometime later. So, uh, like, yes, Takshishila con- Consulting has been actually uh, played a great part in my career, uh, actually helping me become more of a consultant, nurturing me to become a consultant. Uh, and then Mani, Mr. Manish shagrawal who has coached me uh, for a long time for, throughout my tenure in Takshila Consulting, he helped me behave like consultant, act like consultant, think like consultant, uh, talk to the CEOs, understand their requirements. Uh, how to present uh, something in a structured way so that everyone understands it very easily right, right these right. are all the basics of uh, consulting that you need to practice 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 and again practice so that you kind of fine tune the art of management consulting and then right. at the end of the day every management consulting job has a problem to solve and then how do you solve it
3: correct right. yeah
1: right so the uh-huh. problem might be something related to hr something related to manufacturing something related to sales so mm-hmm. basically you have to understand the crux in right. terms of like what is the actual pain point of your senior management right
3: mm-hmm.
1: only then you will be able to help them at that level right so experiencing Geo is like one of a kind. like not every day some company uh, comes up uh, in any country and then uh, being able to work with the very top management uh, in Reliance Geo, and then uh, being able to implement many things at the ground level,
3: right?
1: Mm. So mm. that has been a great learning for yeah. me. Uh, and then, definitely, like management consulting bug has been there for quite some time. And then, uh, my very good friend uh, Ashish, who also happens to be my classmate from XLRI, okay, he started something. Uh, and then he wanted to establish a management consulting firm. So both the ideas gelled and then we took it off from there. Oh, yeah. uh, coming to Minton and the name, so Ashish is a very good badminton player. So okay. he moved the bad from Minton and then uh, badminton
3: yeah. and then... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Okay, so, so it became a good Minton. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, very nice. Um but still you, know, you can do something on your own, especially in a consulting space. Mm-hmm. You, know, when you have almost every big company, uh, you you have BCGs, mckinsey's of people operating in India. And you
3: also, and you also
2: have your uh, you know um the ENYs, Deloitte's of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have your Texas uh and headstrong kind of consulting mm-hmm. as well. Now where do you see there is um, uh, you know, a space for you. Of course, like you have been growing as well. Hmm. So, but like when you're taking that plunge, you have obviously thought about these things, right? So what made you uh, say that, okay, it's okay. You know, these guys are still there, but I think I can make a difference. So what was that uh, moment when you decided, okay, I'm going to go with my friend and start this?
1: See, uh, frankly, if you see any product or service, like mm-hmm. at every price point, there are takers for a service. Okay,
2: surprise, so,
1: ah, mm. yeah. So, for example, you have Mercedes Benz car selling, you have Maruti Alto selling, mm. you have Duster selling, right? right. It comes in at a different point and then caters to a different customer's need, mm. right? Mm. So, that is where we felt like uh, all these top companies, BCG, McKinsey, their fees is like uh, more or less equivalent to the turnover of many of the small and medium companies, right? right. So, there is no point that these people are going to afford. Uh, K, uh, KPMG's, BCG's, McKinsey's. Forget about uh, McKinsey's and BCG's. So right. Even effort KPMG, uh, PwC, wise and all.
3: Right.
1: That is where uh, we come into picture. And then uh, one of the focus uh, for us has been uh, implementation consulting. Right. So mm. that is one piece uh, which even McKinsey has started recently. McKinsey also has an implementation wing. So mm. gone are those days where you just give some. Project presentation. This is what you have to do. You do this, and then you will fly out with flying colors. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Honor those days. So now, uh, the trust on management consultants, it's not just uh, up to giving a project report or recommendation uh, Mm -hmm. to do this. But then, uh, so there are two things. Like one, if you're actually serving an MNC, right? So what they actually need is a third person's view. Uh, in trying to understand like where the faults lie and then how do you correct it? And then they have their internal team to help rectify uh, those things and then go forward, right? But then coming to the clients that we serve, uh, basically small and medium company always crunched for resources uh, and then having the management bandwidth and then bandwidth at the top management level, right? Right? So that mm-hmm. is very scarce uh, in these kind of companies. And then uh, they are not able to implement or visualize uh, what recommendation has been given, and then a way forward in terms of implementation.
3: Right. right. Mm-hmm.
1: If you see uh, any management consulting uh, project uh, taken by BCG, McKinsey, they are mostly for like six, six weeks, eight weeks, max twelve weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then our projects are generally about uh, nine to twelve months. Right. Okay. So okay. the first phase of what McKinsey does and we do is kind of similar in terms of problem identification phase, the solutioning phase the recommendation phase which we complete mm-hmm. generally in about 2 months to 3 months okay and there uh, comes the real value that we add in terms of helping the organization implement these uh, recommendations right okay. so okay. we have a very uh, well set process in terms of uh, how we conduct our uh, projects and then all our employees are trained on it to right. ensure uh, that we give minimum 5x uh, to 10x result to a organization in terms of uh, whatever metric that they want to improve okay Mm. that is where we differentiate ourselves as compared to the other one is
2: pricing point the second thing is focus more on implementation not just okay great right now so now the immediate next step is so you started this now how did you go about getting the first client are you already had a client and then uh,
1: you started this? See, uh, frankly speaking, there is no marketing that can be done for management consulting service. You cannot boost ads on Google or Facebook and say, boss, this is a service I provide, please come and take my service. Like uh, People don't, don't even care about all of these. No one is for it. This kind of a service, it's a very involved process and then basically you take suggestions from your friends, relatives, someone you know. Right. Okay. The only kind of marketing that uh, you can get is a word of mouth marketing. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. what we went about doing, me and my friend, like we spread the word uh, to all the people whom we knew, uh, knew in terms of uh, this is what we intend to do. This is the kind of projects that we uh, handled in the past. And this is the kind of change that we can bring about for your organization.
3: Uh, uh.
1: And then uh, like word pass one person to other person. So, so we're yeah. able to get this word to a person uh, who was there in... Uh, CII. CII. yeah,
3: yeah.
1: So uh-huh. he knew some other person in one of the CII firms. He uh, one person came up to him and tell, told, uh, "Boss, I have this great productivity problem in my textile min. So can you please solve? Uh, can you tell me what is my way out?" And then he pitched minton to them, and then he called, and then uh, things went well, and then he awarded the
2: project. Okay, lovely. So my next question was about that only. So. So when someone comes and says that they have a productivity problem, that's Mm -hmm. typically, I would say a better place to be in, in terms of, you know, going and consulting because the client already knows that they have a problem, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, So did they have metrics to show that productivity is dropping over a period of time? Uh,
1: No, uh, I think that is a long shot, like only very few people would know that. So that is the root cause, right? Mm -hmm. Productivity is the root cause. The right. only problem that most of the owners uh, might know is they are feeling pressure for the cash. Their cash is not rotating so much and then they right. don't have that surplus cash. Hmm. They are not able to spend. They are not able to pay their vendors on time. Okay. So this is when they understand that the financial situation of the company is not very healthy.
3: Okay. Hmm.
1: So some people are smart enough to understand where there is a problem and then They might look for a solution in a specific place. But then uh, generally it is up to us to understand like where in the organization there is a problem. Sometimes it so happens that the client comes up saying that uh, my production is a problem. Then we understand that production is actually not a problem, but there isn't enough sales. Mm. Because of which there is no pressure on manufacturing to improve their operations.
2: Okay, got it. Mm. So the baseline you essentially uh, take what two to three weeks to establish the problem statement and set a baseline.
1: So uh, generally, uh, it doesn't start off directly as a project. So yes. there is a small phase called due diligence that we do for organizations. Okay. And then uh, in the due diligence phase, we just try to uh, study the organization in terms yeah. of like, what are the systems, what are the processes, how well trained are the employees. Uh, what kind of uh, communication or information do they have in terms of the car, uh, company's whole mm. uh, targets, uh, goals, and all of these things. Right. So when there is disconnect at every level, okay. so that is something that opens our eyes in terms of uh, how organization, uh, like where the gap is. Right. So balance scorecard is a very good framework uh, which right. we can discuss right. later, uh, mm-hmm. which, will, which also helps us analyze like where there is a problem and then which is also a tool to help us uh, fix these problems okay right? so we do a small due diligence for a week or so mm. uh, and then we try to say bus this is the organize- this is the study that we have done so these are the gaps that we have identified and then these gaps when filled ideally would give you a uh, improvement in terms of uh, so many numbers right mm. so mm. we try to quantify it and show so that they, give- they get a clear picture in terms of like what is the scope for improvement right, right. The metrics can be in terms of revenue or in terms of uh, uh, improvement in productivity or in uh, u- uh, re- cost reduction in manpower, resources, uh, utilities, all of these things,
3: mm-hmm. right?
1: So mm-hmm. as far as possible, we try to show them in numbers so that uh, the management is convinced in terms of what is the scope for improvement.
2: Right. So
1: that actually lays your foundation stone uh, for actually getting into a project.
2: Cool. Huh. So, but now since you're also doing implementation, Mm -hmm. clients uh, asked you or come back to you saying, hey, uh, after you implement and show success, I'll pay a percentage of the fee. So basically retainer plus success fee, is that how it works or it's purely retainer? Uh,
1: No, uh, there is a significant uh, retainer amount also because uh, irrespective of the results, we definitely uh, spend time and then uh, showing improvement is not such of a big deal. So Mm -hmm. people can see the improvement. And then in many cases, people have come back to us and said, uh, my general manager never used to care about productivity. But Mm -hmm. after you have come, so he's calling vendors and saying, uh, my utility cost is high. Can you do something to reduce my cost? This Mm -hmm. is a welcome change that the management wants. Correct.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: If they see their people changing in their mindset, that is a good enough result uh, for the uh, management. But yes, uh, there are uh, many projects where we have uh, taken a success fee also.
2: Just, just success fee?
1: No, not just oh, successfully Retainer plus success.
2: Retainer plus success. Uh, okay. So, I am going to let uh, Giridhar and Ajay take over from now on and I am going to turn the camera off. Um, Hi Giridhar. Hi Ajay. Yeah. Hi Sreevas. Uh, so, right. uh, yes. Yeah.
4: Okay. So, Shivas we have been talking, uh, so this week's theme is about surviving and thriving during the, you know, the challenging times. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, since we are going around that, can you just tell us how your clients are uh, facing this kind of situation? What is the advice that you are giving them?
0: So, uh, like, any
1: change comes uh, with both goods and bads. So, similarly, even this Corona thing, uh, the COVID pandemic has actually uh, been, uh, in a sense, uh, positive news for some people and then negative news for most of the people. But then different clients have actually coped, it, coped up with it uh, in multiple ways. So first thing I'll say you in terms of like where things have benefited. For example, there is a manufacturing unit and then because of COVID, uh, all the companies were feeling the pressure and then the manufacturing productivity was not there because of multiple reasons, like the manpower not being available uh, and then no permission from the government to run the uh, units and all of these things. So uh, one blessing in disguise was like, for example, uh, local manufacturing units were doing good, but then because the logistics and all were Uh, down. So some uh, products that you actually get from uh, the north of India, let's say Delhi, Mumbai, uh, Kolkata. So uh, these products stopped coming into Hyderabad, but then uh, the requirement was there. So that gave us a solid impetus in terms of the local manufacturing uh, company being able to capture that uh, market and be able to deliver. So that is one kind of uh, way how we Uh, captured a new market or uh, took a larger share of the market uh, taking advantage of the situation, right? And similarly, there are few organizations uh, like you've said in the past, right? So there is a capacity in terms of manufacturing unit that they have, and then they were trying to uh, cater to a certain set of uh, audience or they were delivering through a certain sales channel. But then this pandemic helped them uh look for various other channels to uh, grow and then be sustainable uh, in the short run at least so people who are actually catering to uh, so we were working with a, a fine baking company right so initially the whole uh, kitchen was set up to only serve the outlets and then because of the pandemic situation they have started a retail channel sales and then they have started pushing their products uh, across uh, retail chains as well So that way they could uh, still sustain the minimum uh, production
0: capacity that they would want to. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, how do you define productivity? How do you measure it? Okay.
1: So productivity is uh, very unique to each organization, right? So if you are making uh, edible oil, the productivity is different. If you are making uh, it's, if is a textile unit, then your productivity is different. And even in textile un, uh, unit also, a uh, company that is uh, facing pressure in the manufacturing, for them, the productivity metric would be different from a different organization who doesn't have so much of a problem in manufacturing, but is fa- uh, facing uh, the pressure in terms of their sales or uh, being able to market their products, right? So right. the productivity definition can be different for different organizations, Uh, And then in the same organization, also, the productivity definition can be different for different teams, right? So this is where uh, we kind of uh, go into the organization, dive deep to understand, like, what is the metric or what is the productivity metric that we need to start working on, right? And once you get to the main metric that you want to improve, right, so then you backtrace in terms of, like, what are the dependencies for this metric, right? So let's say my manufacturing cost is a concern right so let's say there is a product a and then uh, it is being sold in the market at 90 rupees whereas your manufacturing cost itself is 92 rupees so how the hell are you going to sell the product in the market right so that is when right. uh, mm. we work on okay now cost is my major productivity parameter and that is where i need to reduce by let's say five percent ten percent or fifteen percent right so then we work back tracing in terms of okay so what are all my uh, cost metrics and then which are all the areas where i can work and then uh, how much by how much percentage i can reduce and then we start working from there right similarly let's say um, in the cost metric also if my uh, variable cost is uh, manageable but fixed overhead is something which is of a concern right so then the answer lies in how do you improve your sales uh, so that you are able to produce more from the same plant, and thereby able to reduce the uh, fixed cost per uh, product of sales. Right? So that is how like it's all um, different for each industry.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. understandable. Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, what are the tools, uh, metrics for measuring the process in a company, and uh, how do you set set a baseline? Okay,
1: so these are two separate questions. First, let me answer the first question in terms of process, right? So uh, when we do the due diligence or uh, we have something called manthan, right? So manthan is a process where we try to identify, dive deep into an organization, understand uh, what are the problems, what are the root causes, and then try to find a solution uh, for uh, these problems, right? And then more or less any problem that you find So it might be because of lack of system or process or uh, because a system or process is existing, but not uh, sufficient to solve your problems or people not being trained enough on a system or process. So it all ends up over there, right? So when we do, uh, so how do you go about identifying like where there is a process lapse or gaps in process? So we do multiple interviews. We have uh, different types of studies that we do. Uh, we try to do some audits to understand where the organization has gaps, and then try to identify that uh, these are the processes where uh, things are going for a toss. Right. So some of the indicators uh, in terms of uh, uh, which help us identify there are process lapses are like if you when you do interviews with different personnel across the organization. So one root, one common question that we ask is like uh, what was the last major problem that you had. And then how frequently do you uh, get that problem, right? So that gives you, that opens some uh, doors for you to understand like which processes there are issues and stuff, right? And then uh, the second part of your question in terms of how do you make baseline? So again, this is a part of the same uh, root cause analysis or uh, deep dive analysis that we do. Uh, And then we take up data for the last six months, wherever uh, it is there to form a baseline in terms of like, what is the required uh, uh, metric? What is the metric in the past? Uh, where are we currently? And then how do we go about uh, improving the same metric?
3: Okay.
4: And what are the different, uh, so you were mentioning about, about a lot of frameworks, process frameworks and uh, different frameworks are used for you know optimizing productivity, right? Yeah. What are some of the frameworks that you generally uh, follow in assessment as
3: well as implementations?
1: So in terms of assessment, uh, there are a few things like time motion study, uh, shadow study, uh, line walks, all of these things uh, which help us uh, understand the client organization in a better way, right? So in a shadow study, we kind of shadow a particular person, let's say a supervisor, a manager, or a worker, or a machine operator, and then study him for a duration of about eight hours to understand what are all the different activities that he is doing in a given eight-hour shift, and then divide whatever activities he is doing into value-adding activities, non-value-adding activities. That is the first part. And then, apart from that, you will uh, divide his activities into managerial activities, activity uh, work-oriented activities, supervision activities, and then some breakout time and all of these things. And then understand holistically that what is the role of a particular person. So how much time is he occupied? How much time is he doing value-added activity? How much time is he doing non-value-added activity? The whole improvement begins if you are trying to reduce the non-value-added activity so that you give him more time to do value-added activity, right? So whenever you have a non-value-added activity, we try to see how it can be automated, uh, semi-automated to ensure that a person does not have to spend more time on the non-value-added activity
4: okay okay uh, do you recommend any of these frameworks for the current situation for the for the surviving and the thriving situation
1: <laughs> definitely like each of these things come into picture you know like uh, today morning uh, i was just having a call with someone and then uh, they were telling uh, and then it's a very big company uh, us based mnc uh, i don't want to name the company but then even they were thinking like boss my cost head is very high so, mm-hmm. how do I reduce my cost right.
5: right.
1: So, the basic principles are same. So, this is one funny question that comes up uh, in any meeting that we go. Right. Whenever we are working, let's say I go to a chocolate manufacturing company, and then the first question he asks is like, have you ever worked in a, uh, some other p- chocolate manufacturing company? I say, boss, <laughs> we have never worked in a chocolate manufacturing company, but then uh, the whole uh, fundamental principles, that help us improve that will help us in improving your productivity will remain the same mm-hmm. and then the lesser than uh, i know uh, the better because i will not come with some preset mindset saying that this will be the problem so when i start looking for problems in a particular direction i might only find the problems that i'm looking for but i i might miss out on much bigger problems which are there in the organization so whenever we approach a new client we approach with a clean slate just trying to understand what is there Uh, how things are being done and then what is the scope for improvement rather than trying to fit a template into an organization and say bus some similar organization they had this problem this organization will also have a similar problem let us just attack it and finish it that will never be the approach
3: okay
4: okay so the reason why we asked was uh, basically i saw that the productivity sales and cost improvements cost efficiencies were some of the specializations that you had faced yeah, yeah. So in the current scenario, everyone is looking to optimize or reduce their costs and increase their, uh, you know, the sales aspect of it. Otherwise, at least try to, you know, kind of recover some money or bring in some money. So
1: the best advice that I can give to anyone is uh, because of this uh, COVID and then reduction in business, all the owners will have some excess time. And then I would ask all of these entrepreneurs, business owners, to take some time out, see the data in their organization. So there are two problems that we have come across in most of the small and medium scale industries. First thing is there is no data captured. If there is data captured, that data is not organized properly. And the third step is even if the data is uh, captured and organized, the management does not see it.
3: Right.
1: So these three things are uh, core to actually anyone coming out of uh, these problems, like Uh, You might need some help in understanding the data from a third person's view, but most of them are self-explanatory. If you just give some time to it, because it is a business that you have started, you have uh, given life, and then you know the business much better than any other consultant can know. So my advice uh, to any organization uh, is be ready to experiment, be ready to see your data, be ready to see what the competition is doing, and then take the leap of faith.
4: Okay. Okay. Interesting, actually, that's a very valid point because I've seen that you are dealing with a lot of companies which are a little bit, I would say, non-tech space as
1: well. Yes, most of them. Right.
4: So I re- realize that uh, a lot of people are not towards the technology as well and uh, implementation. Do you see a lot of people implementing the technology right now? Is that uh,
1: people do want to implement, and then uh, we are working with many government organizations and private organizations also, where uh, the technology implementation. Uh, is not great and then uh, for some reason they are not able to find the right tool or they are not able to get it customized properly uh, they are not able to spend so much to customize the tool to the extent that they want and the available tools at their cost range are not fit for their need. so this is a perennial problem that we try to solve for every, every organization so google sheets and excel sheets have worked wonders in many of these organizations but uh, let's see. Uh, someone should come up with some kind of solution for these kind of companies.
4: Majorly, the two problems that you are mentioning in this segment, non-conventional space for them to migrate to digital, mm-hmm. is basically there are no right kind of tools that has that have been explored, and second thing is the budget constraints. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay, that's a very interesting problem. In fact, I see a lot of opportunity over there.
1: So yeah, yeah. So like we have explored. Uh, in management consulting, you have like the BCGs, KPMGs, and then uh, you have Takshila Consulting, and then you have Minton Consulting. So maybe there should be some software companies also catering to that kind of segment. Maybe right. some products. Yeah. Right, right,
4: definitely. Um, okay. So you also mentioned that uh, establishing the sales channel and uh, retail network design is some of your specialties, right? Yeah. And uh, currently, with respect, Again, coming back to the same situation with respect to the say, uh, retail side of it, retail aspect has been hit very drastically during these times.
3: Right, right.
4: Okay, so, when you mentioned retail network design, are there any changes that you are implementing in that sector?
1: Yes, definitely. So, uh, first thing is like, uh, as we told you uh, in the earlier segment, also, let's say I have a manufacturing capability to manufacture certain product, and then let's right. say my throughput is 10x. And then currently my existing market is only able to take 5x where do i sell the extra 5x right Right. so for this extra 5x there are two things that you can do primarily one is expand geography one is get deeper into the existing geography right for both of these things uh, you need to have uh, a distributor channel or a sales channel like it can be your own employees working at the grassroots level. It can be outsourced to a distributor. So whichever uh, seems feasible for you based on the product. It is also uh, mostly dictated by uh, the top players in the segment. Let's say uh, if you are in a paint segment and then Asian Paints is the uh, market leader, right? So sometimes even if you want to uh, set up a distributor channel, it will be very difficult because you are competing with Asian Paints who has their own sales network and then their volume is already so high so that uh, for them it is better to have a their own sales network rather than a distributor channel right, right? then how do you compete in these kind of scenario right similarly you, you might have electrical wire segment wherein uh, the top players like Phenolex, polycab and all of these people they have a distributor network right so how do you compete uh, when you are uh, competing against them right so you might have to uh, Fine tune, you might have to decide like what is your price point, who are your actual competitors, what are they doing, and then uh, sometimes we might have to follow them and sometimes we might have to create our
0: own path. So, and it depends from company to company. Okay. Okay, so uh, when you say sales, uh, you already mentioned that uh, word of mouth is one way that uh, you, are, you find preferable to reach out to multiple clients. But apart from that, uh, is there anything else that you are doing? Maybe cold calling, email marketing?
2: Oh, we've done
1: that. Uh, we've done that. So there are multiple channels that we also implement uh, to get our projects. So one is we enroll ourselves uh, with different technical consulting organizations, Uh, We enroll ourselves with different uh, trade bodies uh, to get uh, information of different companies which are there in different cities, states, uh, and then try to approach them, uh, do the cold calling and then try to explain them this is a service that we provide and then that has also helped us uh, get few clients and then similarly we also work with some independent consultants who in their previous authors have been business development managers for many management consulting companies. We work with them uh, to see if there are any possible uh, clients that we can approach as a team. Uh, And then we do uh, approach uh, some technical consulting organizations uh, who have a lot of projects in their hand, but they're not enough people to deliver. So take some work from them. So
3: it doesn't- kind of. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, So we do that as well. Okay. Okay. Sure. So uh, how did you close your first deal? I mean, can you take us through the process as uh, how did you go about that? It's not uh, as magical
1: or uh, anything. It's not very different. It's uh, like any other call. So basically we got a reference. We met him. We convinced him of our capabilities and then uh, he was also convinced of our uh, capabilities and then we just got started. And then two months, three months down the lane, he was able to See the results, and then we continued for a good ten months, and then uh, we have shown uh, them a productivity of close to twenty percent increase in their production with the same manpower, with the same machinery, with the same material.
0: Wow, that's that's pretty amazing.
1: (laughs) And no no huge investments in terms of technology or anything as well. Yes, yes, just some small changes at every level, uh, right from uh, coaching the employees. Uh, getting them to understand like what is the requirement of the management, uh, how do they see their numbers, how do they start preparing reports, how do they become owners of their small business, right, so that is how we get the change uh,
5: implemented. <laughs> yeah.
4: That was a very interesting point that you mentioned, making them the owners of their own respective, uh, you know, areas.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um. So, how do you develop that culture? You, you also mentioned that is a kind of, kind of culture, that culture change that you bring among the employees. Right. Right. Uh, so, apart from the monetary benefits with respect to salary or any other kind mm. of delivery, mm. uh, what are the other kind of, you know, the incentives that you offer to the employees or anyone who's working to keep them motivated enough?
1: So, I'll tell you, uh, the best motivator is make the job easier for an employee and then uh, he'll love to do it more. So let's say uh, the same thing in terms of uh, when I was telling you about a shadow study, right? So we try to see what is a non-value adding activity and what is a value adding activity. Let's say uh, there is a supervisor in a plant and then uh, four hours out of eight hours, he spends time just writing some record, which can be done by someone else who is much uh, junior to him, right? So, or you could develop something wherein the data gets captured automatically. Right. Right. And then if you do this, so if you are saving this good four hours time for him, so he will definitely follow the system whatever you want him to. So make the job easier for him. Make the job uh, idiot proof and then uh, make the life easy for all of the people working. So that is a great incentive more than monetary benefit or anything. And sometimes, uh, like, if you're removing the uh, tussle part of the job, let's say, uh, in its previous author, so there were many disagreements between the sales, the marketing, the production, and all of these people, right? So that happens when everyone has different goalposts, right? So once you get them uh, to see one common goalpost, and then get them to work together. So the tussle part of it is over. And then everyone tends to start working and supporting each other to achieve their goal. So one of the things that we do as our daily routine is conducting a daily war room meeting, right? So when you bombard someone with the same thing time and again, so it gets into them that bus productivity is something that is my concern. Earlier, they would say, sir, this guy has not done it. This guy has not done it. And then someday, one month, two months down the line, after we start this daily war room, So, people will collectively uh, start saying that, uh, sir, uh, yesterday this happened, uh, but we know that this is the problem. From tomorrow, it will not happen. We have fixed this once for all. Mm.
4: Very nice. So, basically, you are talking about forming and storming. Is that the one you spoke about?
1: Yeah. (laughs) The bookish way. The
4: goal alignments that is having the same vision and the daily daily stand-ups.
1: Definitely. Very
4: nice. Okay. I am personally curious about uh, your stint with Re- Reliance Geo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, with respect to your implementation, what is it that you found? So, obviously, we know that they are extremely wealthy people. But obviously, even if they are extremely wealthy, there needs to be some kind of a framework or any kind of work that is going on to keep, for them to be on that uh, be on the path. So, what is, that, that, what is it that you notice so differently about Reliance Jio that uh, they have done now they're, they're
3: at this stage?
1: So I'll give you a simple example, right? So rolling out of uh, activation process. So even though it might look very simple in the front end, so on the back end, it's like a very lengthy process. And then uh, because I have been involved with that uh, process personally, so there are like 21 different teams who work uh, and then all of them have to work together to ensure that your uh, sim activation takes place, right? the first project that I've been uh, given in Reliance is to streamline the whole uh, order to activate process and then uh, make it go live, right? So most of the time, like uh, it's not about wealthy or uh, the organization having surplus resources. It's all about ensuring how all the resources are uh, connected uh, and then work together as a team, right? So if you are in a startup, there might be like three or four teams, but then because it is reliant, there are 30 different teams who have to work together, achieving one common goal. So the major part is in terms of aligning different organizations, different teams, and then uh, communicating to them over a common forum, saying that uh, was the dependency of this department is this way, and this department is this way. And then this is the requirement from one department uh, to the other department, so that everyone works in a sync and then uh, make the actual goal achievable very nice okay all right so
4: then we're talking about you know having all the you know training the team members and also implementing different processes also one more essential thing is attracting good talent mm-hmm. attracting mm-hmm. talent good talent and getting them to work how do you attract good talent
1: uh, touchwood luckily that has been a relatively easy part for us uh, because uh, we've got uh, great people uh, from great companies wanting to join us uh, even at a cut from their existing salary because they wanted to do good work. right? And then that is something we could offer. So it was a win-win scenario for both of us. And then we've never had a problem in terms of uh, recruiting the right talent or uh, great talent. Okay,
4: Okay. So what is that one advice that you would want to give? So we do have a... A lot of apprentices also in the in this podcast right now. Mm-hmm. So, if you have to give any kind of advice for the beginners, what would it be at
1: this point of time? Understand so, the bigger picture. So, in terms of interns, so, so uh, organization is very big, right? right? And then you might be a cog in the wheel, but that doesn't uh, limit you uh, in your understanding of the organization. So, try to understand. The larger aspect of the organization try to understand who is the end customer of the organization how he is using your product or a service and then that is when you will understand like what is the role that you are playing so just because you are doing a small part uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you only need to view the small part so you can always step back see the larger picture understand what you are delivering and then that is what will give you the impetus in terms of uh, wanting to grow Wanting to, uh, like, basically get inspired is what I'm telling. So right. when you see examples, you get inspired, and then when you inspire, get inspired, and try to do something in that direction, wonders do happen.
0: So uh, you yourself are an entrepreneur who started something. So given the current times, the pandemic, would you advise anyone to you know take up what you did? Uh, is this a good time uh, to start up something like this or? Would you advise them to wait? I mean, what what is your advice in general regarding this?
1: So definitely uh, necessity is the mother of invention and you cannot have a bigger necessity than having to thrive uh, in this uh, pandemic time. So this is the right moment uh, for anyone to start, uh, be it a career, be it an organization who wants to mend the ways it has been doing business, wanting to do something new, wanting to do something different. Uh, This is the time. It, there can be no better time than like this. That is how
0: I would see.
4: Right, right. So this is a very, I mean, if anyone is starting also, most probably, so today we see a lot of startups with, which are there or rather companies, small business, which are there within 15 people, 10 people and 15 people. Yeah, yeah. And People are just starting off now.
3: Hmm.
4: Uh, we see a lot of, uh, lot of frameworks which are applied for the mid-scale and the large-scale companies. For the small-scale companies, what are the different frameworks that they can follow and for uh, aggressive growth as well?
1: So when uh, coming to the smaller organizations, definitely Mm -hmm. there are many uh, things they need to get right uh, and be ready to be scalable, right? Right. So there are so many things that uh, the small companies uh, ignore at the start of the uh, company, uh, which kind of become a stumbling block for them to grow at a later date, right? Mm -hmm. So that is where we are actually helping a few of the startups uh, in terms of getting their systems and processes right at the start so that uh, going forward, it doesn't become a stumbling uh, block for them to grow further, right? So there are many things in terms of role clarity, organization's vision, uh, getting the team right in terms of uh, the different uh, teams, roles and responsibilities, uh, in terms of uh, the growth path, right? So explaining everyone like what this company wants to be, and then being able to align them with the goals of the organization so that everyone works uh, for the same goal. Okay. So, for startups, I think this is very important.
4: Right, right. That way, especially in today's world, a lot of people are scaled down to about mm-hmm. five to 10 people organization, or at least the majority of people whom we are seeing. Mm-hmm. And people who are starting up as well, as you mentioned, it's the right time to start up if you're doing anything right now because you're getting people who are. Uh, Know willing to work for you and as well as uh, they're working for the remote area, so there's a lot of time available. Yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, we have we do have a few audience, we we'll just check if anyone has any doubts or any questions that we- that they would want to post to you.
1: Sure, just ask simple questions.
4: Hi, <laughs> <Hey> guys. <laughs> uh, any questions? Yeah, silence, suman anyone?
6: Uh, yeah, yeah. yes. Hi. Hi, go ahead. Yeah. uh, So, uh, hello, Mr. Srinivas. Uh, Thank you so much. That was really insightful uh, from what we've learned and what we've, uh, you know, completed till now. So uh, I had a question running in my mind, Mm -hmm. right? When you were segmenting the management consulting firms based Mm -hmm. on their levels, right? Like in the beginning, we spoke about KPMG, Mm -hmm. um, you know. APMG McKinsey and then came the Daksha Shila and then came Minton mm-hmm. right so you told us that you know it is majorly a price difference part like uh, where you are catering to a certain category where the payments or whether they are comfortable with a certain consulting company where they are able to you know pay that fees yeah right so I understand that would be like a, how it would work is like if you uh Charge high fees, then you can work with less clients. And if you are having uh, less fees, then you would need more clients. So, how do you balance uh, your onboarding at once so that the delivery as well as the operations are running all together in tandem?
1: So, again, this is like a typical scenario where uh, I gave you an example, right? So, let's say mm-hmm. uh, there is a product uh, that is being sold in the market at 90. And then, uh, if you are not able to sell it at 90, then you have no business being in the business, right? So you have to better figure out a way to deliver uh, your product or service below 90 so that you are profitable, right? So whatever we teach to other organization in terms of cost management, that is also something that we need to do, right? So let's say uh, I know of uh, different hospitals that are there today. Uh, They know that there is a particular hospital which is offering a particular operation or a service at let's say 1 lakh rupees, right? And then mm-hmm. at 1 lakh rupees, there are a certain number of people who are uh, willing to take that service, right? So now if there is a different hospital which wants to be in business, so they need to figure out a way to offer that same uh, thing at a much lower pr- price point, let's say 90,000, 80,000. And then there are new customers who come up uh, to take that space. right? Mm-hmm. So that
6: is how it is. Uh, yeah so when when we are operating at that price where we are reducing the operation cost so it means you would need more customers coming in so that you uh, you know take care of your day to day operations well
1: no see that said like uh, price point lower decis- necessarily doesn't uh, mean that you are not uh, profitable right so mm-hmm. you definitely ensure that uh, you are profitable uh, in each of the projects that you do uh, so that question is not something that comes us, comes to us. like It's not profitable. Uh, if, why do you do the project in the first place? OK. All right. someone you
4: want to go? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, Sweeney. Good okay. evening. Yeah. Good evening. Uh, my question to you, uh, Geridhar uh, mentioned multiple types of projects, mm-hmm. be it productivity,
3: mm-hmm.
0: be it GTM activities, multiple types of projects. And at the same time, he did multiple types of businesses, telecom, insurance, he touched upon. So how how do you manage multiple types of projects, multiple types of businesses all at one go? How do you bring it all together?
1: So, okay. So uh, generally what happens is like, uh, it's again the bandwidth and then the scope of uh, work uh, that you can manage, right? So we have about uh, three partners in our organization and then uh, we run about, seven to eight projects simultaneously. And then for each of the project, uh, you have a full-time consultant uh, who is working specifically for that project uh, end to end. And then you have a project manager or a partner who is working uh, part-time basis to ensure that whatever we have promised to the client in terms of the deliverable uh, is that being met, is some course correction required. So ideally, a project manager can seamlessly manage about three to four projects. and then as you want to grow the number of projects you also have to grow in terms of people who can project manage these things so over a period of last two and a half years like uh, many of our consultants have now grown to become project managers and then thereby uh, giving us more capacity in terms of uh, taking in more projects okay
3: thank you
4: uh have you also worked with the government sector as well this is a person. We are
1: currently working, so this is our first government project, and yes, we are working.
4: Okay, all right. So um, the government side is a lot more different from the way uh, you approach a private private company, right, or private private sector.
1: Definitely. Definitely.
4: So, if at all you have to say uh, two things that you have to follow, two strategies that you could follow in the government space, mm-hmm. what what would they be? What would they be? Okay. Generally
1: in terms of approach uh, can I get your question again in terms of like uh, what strategy strategies to get a project or deliver a project?
4: One in terms of approach second one in terms of implementation
1: okay First thing is in terms of approach basically your network right So you have to build a great network and then a network that has reaches reach into different government offices so that whenever they have a problem you need to find a way of listening to their problem and once you develop that only then you can uh, hope to get some projects from there that's the first question And second question in terms of uh, implementation so uh, government because the way it is government and then uh, they have very many limitations in terms of what they can do what they can't do and then how many levels of approval they need to get to implement a small thing make a small change let's say if you are talking about a company so you convince the management that Boss, you need a data entry operator, uh, you need two data entry operators, please get it for me. So it's the management's call and then they'll say, but okay, uh, hire two data entry operators. Right. Okay? But then the thing in government is different. So in government you'll have to first say, uh, do a study saying that uh, this is what is happening uh, there is a gap of two data entry operators that is leading to this kind of effect and then you kind of have to give a proposal and then that proposal has to go through multiple uh, vetting process and then finally by the time these two people data entry operators get onboarded it will be about uh, one year to two years so those are some of the challenges in a government organization
4: all right so i have one last question uh, from my end uh, this was actually one of the testimonial which hori uh, had given Mm-hmm. respect to the process implementation and how you reduce that cost and increase the sales okay so can you just enlighten us or tell us how you know how was the implementation of that and how you identify the problem and how you you know kind of arrived at the solution
1: okay frankly speaking like Oris is a project that was done by my other partner mr ashish okay. so he will be able to add a great value uh, but then i can give you a brief uh, insight into in terms of like what are the changes that uh, we worked at right, right. so First thing is like, how do you improve profitability? And when you come to profitability, you need to reduce your cost. When you have to reduce your cost, then raw material cost is one thing, manpower cost is one thing, and then infrastructure cost is one thing. So now we worked on all these three elements, okay. Uh, In terms of raw materials, like what are the current uh, procurement processes that are being followed? How can we streamline it further to ensure that we get better uh, advantage in terms of pricing? So we can have the advantage in terms of reducing our inventory. Let's say uh, we were carrying an inventory of 30 days, but then uh, as per the operations, if your lead time is only two days to get a product after you order, then why do you have to maintain 30 days?
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So yeah. that way you can reduce your inventory carrying cost. And then uh, you develop a better supplier network so that uh, you get a, a reduction in the cost, right? And then uh, you can also work in terms of uh, your manpower right so how are you using your manpower how can you reduce the non-value-added activity in the manpower
3: right
1: all of these things so that is the area where we worked on uh, in terms of uh, reducing our cost and then coming to improvement in revenue so we did a study to understand like why people come to ohris and then uh, what are the reasons why they c- keep coming again and again? And then if they have lost few customers, what are the reasons why they have lost their customers? And then how can we work upon uh, those issues to ensure that uh, people come back again and again? So one of the things that we did was uh, take up uh, ratings in Zomato and Swiggy as a target and then uh, find ways and means to improve the customer satisfaction, uh, give incentives to the staff of the uh, restaurant based on the feedback and uh, reviews that customers give about their service right and then work on organic and inorganic ways to improve uh, the restaurant ratings thereby improving the sales
3: okay okay
1: so, so we, we have also identified uh, like uh, the their b2b business or the catering business uh, also we have given it a new look and new touch and feel in terms of uh, engaging all the employees in the organization, giving them an incentive structure to help them improve the catering business. And then people started getting uh, converts from their uh, relatives, friends and all so that the catering business also improved for Opreys. Very nice.
4: So you concentrated on the procurements aspect of it because again, you have a lot of perishables over there. Yes, yes. And uh, you worked on... uh, That's a very interesting way to solve it. You took all the online uh, reviews and then you build the strategy on that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So how do, how do you incentivize people so that they, they are incentivized to serve better uh, and then give a better customer experience right, to your right. customers.
4: And you look into the new new de- division of having the catering to be taken care of. Yes. Ori is actually one of my favorite restaurants in Hyderabad. So. <laughs> All right. Great. So that's it from my end. Um, it was actually a, you know very insightful session i just want to check up with the audience if anyone else has
5: any questions good uh, to... i have one question uh, Himesh here
3: go, go uh, on.
5: go ahead. uh, uh hi uh, Srinivas. I uh, uh, like the session so far uh, very informative uh, thanks a ton. Uh, so for someone like me who is already like not yet an entrepreneur or just interested in being a freelance consultant like how would one start with Would it be only through referrals or like how could someone get in touch with this group where actually people are having issues where we could actually provide a value add to our experience? Okay. Or maybe probably through a collaboration with a group like yours or like how would that work? Like probably how you started might be a good place to answer that probably.
1: My way of starting is uh, just jumping into it and then
5: <laughs>
1: navigating your uh, way. right? So that's a okay. different thing. So but now these days, I think there are about uh, three to four different portals that are there uh, in terms of uh, freelance consulting. So there are portals where people come and then put in their requirements saying that this is the work that I want. And then I'm looking for a consultant uh, so you can apply uh, for these kind of projects uh, as a freelancer and then try to get them that is one thing and then enrolling with few organizations as a third party consultant uh, so that whenever they have a requirement that fits your need so they can hire you or you can collaborate with an organization like ours wherein uh, if we think that we will have a requirement for this person throughout uh, the tenure of our organization then we try to hire them and then if you are coming across some project uh, at some place which is a small duration project, then we might look to outsource it uh, to a freelance consultant. So multiple options are available. It's up to you in terms of how you want to get started. But then the first uh, way to get started is like, tell all your friends, people whom you know that this is what you want to do. This is what you want to provide as a service like, uh, as I told you, word of mouth is the best way to get things
5: started. Uh, just then one you more. You have to ask for it. You have to ask for it. There is no other way. But it's a word of mouth and asking for it. Uh, Thanks, Just one more on top of it. So, initially, when you were saying the uh, first phase where the problem statement is defined in two to three weeks period and then the solution starts and mm-hmm. So, once the solution is provided, and then mm-hmm. probably it's up to the management whether to go with it or not. Mm-hmm. So, say suppose in a scenario like you are, you are mentioning the government project so once mm-hmm. the implementation thing starts mm-hmm. so the whole metrics around the solution provided uh, to measure the success of it mm-hmm. uh, is there generally a template or a framework to understand that is that actually provided by someone or understood before coming into the agreement of the solution?
1: See, uh, first, if you are not coming up with a solution that is implementable, and then you have given a solution, wherein someone has to think again, if the solution has to be implemented or not, then you have not arrived at a solution. Right. Right? So you always have to arrive at a solution in tandem with the client organization, and then only once they buy the solution, it becomes a solution, or else it becomes a theory. Right, right. And then once there is a solution uh, and once it is agreed upon, so implementation has to happen. So you do the implementation or the client organization does the implementation on its own. So I think the process is going to remain pretty much same. Got it. There might be few hidden trials, and then few uh, changes in the process or the solution, but then uh, the direction would be set. Got it. Uh, I hope I answered
5: your question. Like There was a second part uh, of, to your question. It's, 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 it's around the metrics part because I'm okay. not sure. I mean, uh, in few scenarios where the retainer is higher and then there's a smaller uh, payment that is based upon mm-hmm. the metrics of the success. So in okay. such scenarios, like how is that metrics defined and like how would we arrive on such thing?
1: See, uh, it again depends on the uh, baselining right so you see what is the data uh, in the past uh, you see like what is the desired state uh, and then you'll have to see like what is the scope of improvement and then take to uh, some uh, metric in terms of uh, uh, your productivity improvement your cost reduction and let's say even companies like kpmg uh, also do the same thing let's say you benefit out of the project and then if a client organization let's say uh, benefits because of the project uh, to the tune of 5 crores then a 10 percent of the uh, benefit is passed on to the uh, consulting organization right so right. on how uh, you agree upon like 10
5: percent 5 percent 20 percent it all depends from case to case so so our SMB sector is uh, like uh, equipped enough to understand and realize such profit margins and then take it up forward
1: yeah, definitely. We've been seeing that change. Like uh, the torchbearers for all these SME sectors are changing. Like it's no more uh, the older generation who are running these organizations. So they people right, right, right. who are coming and taking up uh, the uh, organizations, and then they are uh, definitely open to changes. And then not that uh, older people are not uh, interested in changing. Like we have worked with different organizations where. Even the uh, first generation of entrepreneurs, they are also pretty much interested in seeing their organization grow, develop, become more system and process oriented, uh, because that is what uh, will help
5: uh, ensure the sustainability of the organization, right? Right, right, taking capability and also like, I think, agreeing upon the change. Shown on paper and probably monetary benefits
1: around it. I guess. Right, right. So, to ensure that uh, everyone is on the same page, so we kind of conduct a fortnightly meeting with the uh, key members of the project, the owners, uh, the CEOs, or the MDs, uh, and keep showing them the improvement. And then, this improvement is not something that you show as a consultant. So, you develop the team uh, so that uh, these improvements are actually shown by the team to their own management, and then you are there just to uh, help them, uh, give them the guidance, uh, but then it will be their man, their uh, team who is presenting to the management in terms of what improvement has happened.
3: Right?
1: Got it. So disagreements in terms of improvement, whether happened, not happened, it's all very clear. It's not like you're doing the whole thing and then at the end of one year you say that this we have done this and then they say that no, we have not done this. It doesn't happen like that.
3: Okay, it's a very
1: involved process. These projects are uh, very close to the heart of uh, most of the owners, MDs, CEOs, and then and, uh, someone who is only very involved will take up this kind of activity and then uh, who, someone who actually wants growth, uh, implementation in terms of systems and processes, they only take up these kind of projects. Got it, Shainos. Nice. Th-
5: th- thanks a lot. I think that answers. I'm done with my questions. Related. Thank you. All right. Thank you, much.
4: All right, guys. I think uh, we are good for the day. Uh, rivas thanks a lot for making time and coming and you know answering all the questions over here and uh, giving us some key insights and also uh, you know some way forward for a lot of us.
1: Hey thanks Giridhar and thanks for the opportunity so, great uh, thanks.
4: I've enjoyed it thanks a lot guys for being over here.